Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Gestalten, the automotive design podcast where we like to discuss current things happening within the automotive design industry. Um, my name is Eric Galina, and I'm joined by my colleague, Martin Groschwald. Hello, Martin. How are you today? I am all right, Eric. Uh, as always, thank you for having the time that we can do this. And, it's a pleasure. Uh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, we, we were both not in Geneva this week. Yeah, so that means we, we have a lot of time, actually. <laughs> well, yes and no, because we still have some stuff to do, of course, from a, uh, from a, from a working perspective. But uh, you're sitting here in London, uh, I'm sitting in Munich, and uh, you know we, we would have loved to actually record this in Geneva as we usually do. Yes, yes, most definitely. But, you know, things happen, unfortunately, I'd say. Indeed, indeed. And... Uh, it is a shame. I mean, you know, the thing is, uh, it's one of my favorite shows, certainly of the year. Uh, Geneva is compact. It's neutral territory. A lot of really cool uh, concept cars. Um, all of the supercar manufacturers tend to show there, bring out new concepts, a lot of newcomers as well. So it's uh, just a really great melting pot to see what's happening within the automotive design industry. And uh, it's a real shame that we were not able to attend this year. But hey, uh, you know, on the bright side, we were potentially saved from uh, a huge, uh, well, a virus, basically. The coronavirus <laughs> is hitting the automotive industry in huge, um, you know, it's really having a, a huge impact. Um, in China, you know, everyone knows how things have basically just shut down for the last few months. People are slowly now beginning to return to work. And things are basically now hitting the uh, the Euro Europe, so uh, you know places in Italy, for example, very hard hit. Places uh, even you know here in in, in the UK, there's a, a lot of uh, of worry, a lot of um, you know uh, people being uh, stocking up on on goods. <laughs> if you uh, if you go to any supermarket, you'll notice uh, the canned goods are pretty much depleted. Everything's out of stock. <laughs> Anyway, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, I, I'm laughing, but it's quite serious, I think. You know, uh, we've not seen something like this happen. Um, your view, I think, is, is different, um, perhaps because Germany hasn't really been hit that hard, or maybe you guys are just more um, take it as it comes type thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take it as it is right now. Uh, who, who am I to judge based on, on all these decisions? It is, of course, a shame. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll have to accept the decision because it's not a, it's not a decision made by the organizers and, uh, you know, the people running the show in Geneva, this was actually done and, you know, decided by the Swiss government. So there's very little we can do, you know, going against the Swiss government, Indeed. but you know, let's, let's take it as it is and actually, you know, go ahead. And for our listeners, obviously you guys, you know, if you're new to this, but even if you know, our podcast for quite some time. We have a little bit of some, we've, we've changed a few things up a little bit here because Geneva was more packed than usual, I would say. I mean, there's so many cars that have been presented either a little bit before the show, it would have been what, or at the time than there was supposed to show to happen. And of course, a little bit after this as well, uh, after the usual press days. So what we have decided to do in this time is we're going to have a part one, which will be solely basing and focusing on the production cars that were presented in Geneva. And there will be a separate 
uh, recording, which will be part two, which will be the concept car. So it will be a little bit easier for you to choose what you want to listen to, if you're more interested in production cars or concept cars and our opinions about that. Uh, and as we like to talk, <laughs> we thought it, it's a little bit easier to kind of split that up and make this in a more adjustable chunks rather than having a two, two and a half hour podcast um, <coughs> excuse me, talking about all these things. So this is part one, solely focusing on the production cars and in no specific order. So we've just made a list of stuff that, you know, we wanted to talk about, um, no order in terms of, you know, greatest or worst and all these kind of things. And we're just going to continue talking about them. And the first one that we're going to start off with is the, uh, Koenigsegg Jamera, uh, which we know, uh, you know, has a Swedish origin in terms of why the name is called Jamera. But it's also the very first car where Sasha Silipanov, former, you know, uh, head of exterior design at Bugatti, former uh, advanced design chief at Genesis, uh, responsible for the Chiron, as well as for the uh, Genesis Essentia and Mint, has gotten his hands on. And let's put it that way, for a first, you know, I don't want to say try, but a first, you know, touch on the Koenigsegg, uh, with some kind of directions on it, uh, this has turned out very, very nicely. I have to say, I I do uh, you know appreciate that car very much. Um, <coughs> obviously, this is probably a car that they have worked on already before Sasha came in, but you can certainly see some clues that both him as well as uh, you know Etienne Salome, who did the interior on this one, both have worked at Bugatti together. You can see that um, you know this this is clearly does have touches of both of their work and uh, that are very very visible yeah well most definitely um i think it is a, a brilliant concept um you know from a, a variety of different perspectives um per, certainly you know uh i i got you know i know sasha so i got on the phone with him and had a good chat uh, about the car i'm going to be doing something more in depth with him later but uh, it is very very interesting um, what it is that they managed to achieve in a super, super, super short time frame. Um, so, you know, basically, I mean, this project isn't, uh, you know, it, it was a, a consideration for um, for Konenseg uh, for a long time. You know, Christian's been thinking about this car for a while, but he never pieced it together. And now, uh, I guess with, you know, the, uh, the advent of uh, this, you know, miniaturization of technology, as it were, um, we're now seeing it come to fruition. So, yes, uh, you know, Sasha, obviously a head of design over there, um, came in and dressed the car, as it were. Um, and, I, I mean, I, I love just when you look at it from different angles, obviously there's a lot. Of the, the stance on that car is, is spectacular. But, again, you know, this is a sp- super hyper sports GT, right? They're calling it a mega GT. But what's... Uh, What's really interesting is the the interior and the layout and the package, right? That to me is is really what's revolutionary. On top of the fact that they've got this camless three cylinder that's putting out along with the three um, electric engines, um, you know, seventeen hundred bhp, which is a ludicrous amount of power. Um, but I think it's what's interesting about it also is like you know I don't know what it's going to cost. I don't know uh, any of those details. However. Um, it is coming to production. It is going to be built. It's going to be crash tested. Everything is going by the book on this car, even though there's probably going to be, you know, not that many examples. I think it's like 300 examples that they're planning to sell. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. um, 
I think from a design perspective, we're looking and 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 a social perspective as well. We're we're seeing people, you know, with more money that want something more exclusive, that want something with. Uh, and w- this is a theme, incidentally, that we're going to revisit uh, multiple times over the course of this podcast. Um, that want something, you know, individual that has an un- incredible amount of performance, but don't want to sacrifice necessary necessarily in terms of uh, of space and room and and all of that. So this thing is, you know, it's it's close to five meters long. It's not a small car. Uh, the footprint is considerably large, but at the same time, when you think about the the power and everything that's delivered. Um, through this, uh, and the fact that you can, you know, bespoke tailor the interior and all the rest in terms of uh, colorways and things of that nature, the lightweightness of it all, paired with uh, with you know electric propulsion, and, and it's really quite an ecologically friendly proposition um, as well. When you start thinking about how you know that three cylinder power plant works, I mean, just they're getting like six hundred bhp out of a three six out of a three cylinder power plant. That is ludicrous but anyway we don't really talk about engines all that much what we do talk about is is design um and you know in this in this instance i feel that they are directly related because of the fact that this uh this package enabled this uh this kind of fluid form um to be draped over this package um you know there were certain subtleties within the door for example you know it's it's quite uh, sensual still it's not like brutal um, the, the headlamps are quite small, but also uh, vital in terms of cooling and getting air to where it needs to be. And, and another thing that's really admirable about this is the fact that everything was done in-house. They don't have a supplier doing the headlamps. They don't, you know, everything was built in this Swedish factory. And that to me is, is just monumentally impressive. Yeah, I think, you know, first of all, what I enjoy about this is that it's not an SUV. <laughs> yes, quite. Um, you know, it's a, it's a four-seater, and this would have been great because they say, like, you know, apparently four two-meter-large or tall individuals can easily sit in this. And I, I'm personally, I'm, I'm, I'm tall, and I would have loved to try this out. I would have just like, okay, is this just what you're tall talking about, or is this actually true? So uh, that's that's the the first thing for me as well. And... It does come also with a with a certain subtleness to it. It's not this kind of in your face, ultra aggressive kind of style. It is considerably still a Koenigsegg. I mean, you know, if you if you if you put the cars next to each other, it's certainly still a Koenigsegg. Um, but it does have a certain appeal to the wider family and not just to the crazy car nut who you know wants it because it's extreme. I mean. I can I can actually see a small family, you know, driving in that car and really using it almost as a daily driver rather than just, you know, this kind of high-powered uh, ultra high-end machine that can go 4 or 500 kilometers an hour. And uh, that's, you know, finding that kind of way in between that's very interesting. Um that it's obviously limited to about 300 cars if you put into perspective how many cars uh Koenigsegg usually uh builds that's actually quite a lot. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure this is going to be more like their mass volume car um to to put it that way. So I would actually expect it to be a little bit on the lower end in terms of uh, pricing, not as high as maybe the um uh, the Regera um or the Yesco. But uh, still, of course, I mean, you can see the push here. Koenigsegg received quite a bit of money from China. 
uh, via NEFs uh, and you know an investment in that kind of direction. Uh, it looks like they're really putting up production numbers now. So I'm very interesting to see how they're going to fare on in the future against Bugatti, you know, against these kind of high level, ultra high level luxury car companies. And uh, what I like about it is they keep themselves fresh. They're not trying to pretend to be anything uh, in that sense. Also with the interior, you know, it's very. I, I the only thing I don't personally like about the interior is the two um, on the uh, on the left and the right side the screens. I think they could have been could have been done a little bit better in terms of the rear window uh, the mirrors, but uh, that's a detail. Apart from that, it's been very clean. It's been rather simple. It's still a driver's machine. Uh, it's bold in terms of the colors that they have chosen. You know, it's like the the, the contrast between dark and light. I I very much enjoy. And for me, I mean, you know, the doors make it, a, you know, it's obviously the Koenigsegg doors, but uh, that they've they've managed and kept them on on the car like this is uh, is fantastic, and it gives this car a little bit more depth oh, and uh, and more fun. Uh, the only thing I like to say, of course, is um, is is the wing on the rear uh, is something that I can I can appreciate, I can understand that uh, a little bit more subtle uh, would have been more to my taste. But the overall car is like I said, it's it's not this kind of in your face, you know, terrible. Oh look, I have a supercar and I'm rich kind of guy. This has become much more subtle. It's a much more uh, presentable car as well, and it goes. <clears throat> much more in a in a classic kind of direction which i which i like it's still powerful doesn't lose any of the of the feeling of 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 mightiness to it but it's not in your face crazy and this is uh, this is a nice feed that the guys have achieved over there yeah i would agree it's uh it's like i said it's 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 more elegant than you know some of these other vehicles that are out there and certainly um the uh the 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 power and and all of that the performance um, is kind of in in tune with uh, with what Conan Segg's done in the past, uh, but it is has that extra bit of finesse. You know, I mean, you know, Christian Conan Segg clearly has a good eye for design. He has a he's certainly very detail oriented. Um, having Sasha in there in the mix to make sure that these details um, come away and come through resolved. I mean, there's so many interesting elements um, and details. Um, you know, just around the engine bay, <laughs> you know, the carbon, the way everything works together. I mean, the, the way the shut lines are, everything is really very well done. But I think, yeah, the, uh, again, you know, I don't want to like not credit Sasha for a brilliant design. I think everything down to the, uh, the nine spoke carbon fiber wheels are, is amazing, but you know, the package that he had to work on and the fact that, yeah, um, you know, uh, Conan Seg already had, um, these doors devised and, you know, is, it was, it didn't perhaps make the job easier. He still had to find a way around, you know, <laughs> making things cool, but it's, it's amazing to have a package like that to work on to begin with, um, yeah. you know, and, uh, and it's, it's great to be able, obviously he had to work hand in hand with engineers in terms of making that, uh, you know, feasible and, and resolving that and, um, you know, making everything uh, happen. Um, as beautifully as he did. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can't just give Sasha and his team credit. There's a lot of work that went into this vehicle and it shows. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly the point. You know, I think Sasha is the, uh, the first one to share, um, you know, that just the, like the positive vibe that comes out of the media and like from, from the people surrounding him 
with um, with the people that have uh, have worked on this project. So he's obviously the big figure around it. People know him, mm-hmm. uh, similar to Etienne, of course, as well. But uh, there's a big team behind it, and I think you know, and, and the entire setup uh, it, that was a great um, a great teamwork in that yeah, sense. So, absolutely. But uh, yeah, let's move on uh, from the lovely Koenigsegg to absolutely, and I have to say this, my absolute favorite production car, probably of definitely the Geneva show, I would say maybe even the past, I don't know, three to five years. Uh, because if people know me, they like, I like, they, they know I like a little bit of quirkiness mm-hmm. yeah, behind it. <laughs> and the Citroen Ami, I love this car last year when we saw it. And this is now a final production version. And my God, okay, so people can say a lot of bad things about this, but how cool is this little thing, you know, and really a thought process going into, you know, the future of mobility and like how to get from A to B in a very, you know, big city such as Paris, such as London. Uh, I love that they pushed this all the way through into production. I love to see it when it comes out, uh, hopefully very soon. So, um yeah, for me, like you know, I'm I'm going to go into a bit more detail later. But you know, Eric, what do you, what do you think? Toy uh, or like a bad Hot Wheels model, or actually really a cool thing? Well, first of all, I want to ask you a question. Would you buy this? Obviously, um, there's huge attributes, you know, that you mentioned, you know, strolling around the city and all that. But would you buy it? I'll tell you one thing. If I would only live in a city. Yeah. And obviously, you know, I like to travel and all these things a little bit. But if I would live in a city and I need a small car just to get me from A to B to do my shopping, I would either get something like this or a smart. Mm. So yes, it is. it would definitely be certainly for <coughs> that kind of background on my list. Yes. Okay. So... Fortunately, I think you're not going to have to, you're not going to really have to contend with that question at all because I think it's a subscription service only. <laughs> but uh, I, I think I, I agree with you. I think it's, it's, it's brilliant from, you know, a kind of very relevant uh, perspective because everyone's talking about how do you get around, um, you know, in cities. You can't afford electric cars. They're expensive. You can't charge them. They are now offering a super compact symmetrical vehicle that's really um, very pleasant. Um, and, and it's really great to see Citroen putting this into production um, for a very nominal, you know, it's like 17, um, 17 uh, pounds per month on a subscription base, um, you know, here in the UK, which is uh, amazing. It's like um, outstanding for this, for this subscription. But from a design perspective, you know, when I saw the Citroen Ami concept last year, I thought that was amazing. I know it had been kicking around for a while, um, basically through, you know, uh, the even from the Malval days where, you know, now Alexandre is over in, uh, in Mercedes-Benz and has been for almost, what, a year and a half, two years almost. But um, this concept already existed before he left. So um, mm. now the fact that they chose to roll it out and show it in Geneva last year is great. Um, but I feel that, you know, it's a lot of the, the premium elements of the concept that made it massively appealing have been watered down in my, in my opinion, you know, and, and, you know, let's not, mm. let's not forget, I mean, lamps are expensive, right? So it's understandable, right? You can't offer an electric vehicle for 17 pounds a month, uh, you know, by having all of those supreme details, but as a package, as an overall 
kind of problem solving alternative in terms of, you know, electric vehicles, it still retains a lot of the basic qualities of the concept, right? The symmetry. Um, it's, it's very, um, it's, it's clever really, you know, in terms of like getting, um, sharing the doors and, you know, putting them one on, on the other and, uh, sharing componentry and, uh, you know, having the front end kind of look like the back. I mean, you're saving a lot in terms of tooling, in terms of, uh, money, um, in terms of getting this done and built. Um, but then at the same time, you still have a lot of personalization options available. Um, so if you choose to own this vehicle, which I, I guess you might be able to, I don't know. I mean, the big thing that was appealing to me was the subscription service. Um, because you can easily see this thing run around like you can the, uh, the electric scooter rentals in Munich, right? Um, it's just, you know, you pay, you subscribe, you use it, you, you know, park it, you're done. And then they will be kind of just showing up in random places on, in the city and you can use it and get around. And I think from that perspective, it makes a whole lot of sense. Um, but yeah, if you want to, um, if you want to purchase it, apparently you can actually purchase it and it's going to be like really cheap, really cheap. And also it just basically doubles as a, as a scooter. So if you're like a, a kid, you know, at, at 14, you can ride a scooter in, uh, in, in France. Um, and, in, and you can also get a, a voiture sans permis, they call them, which is basically a car without a license. And that's exactly mm. what this is. Um, so it can't go very fast. Um, but Hey, you can, you know, get into it and, and drive with your friends to, uh, wherever it is destination you need to go. So I think in terms of creating something that, um, you know, is very relevant, um, this certainly takes the cake. And I wish that I could have been there to kind of pour over some of the details in person. But um, yeah, I mean, I do wish that they had retained some of those elements, those really cool um, details, you know, perhaps even the larger wheels. But all of that is is cost driven. And I understand if you're offering a vehicle for like 6,000 euros, um, that it's going to be uh, you know, it's going to have to take a hit in one way or the other, you know, and, and obviously certain details had to go away in order for this to become reality. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's, there is a very important factor onto this. If you compare this to product design, for example, uh, the packaging just comes with it, you know, the usage of, of materials, of course, and, you know, being really on this kind of very cheap level or entry level market to really get it you know adapted into the into the, the the social system of a city i just think it's brilliant you know i you can you can obviously say it's it's ugly as hell like you know you don't like that the front looks exactly like the rear and all these things i i completely understand that but from i think what what we have what we've been missing a lot in in transportation design <coughs> is actually very smart design Mm. You know, using using what has been given to you and the budget that you want to achieve in the smartest way possible. And something like this, um, you know, combining business with creativity, with manufacturing and production uh, to a level where you can say, wow, this is unique. It's still, you know, going to like people will recognize it as a Citroen is where I'm saying like, you know, this is highly impressive. Mm. It's not like the Koenigsegg where you say like, whoa, it's, <clears throat> you know, it's absolutely beautiful. Like, you know, or like, I don't know, like you can call it an Aston Martin or like a Polestar or something like that. 
this is you know this is the combination of probably more towards industrial design and traditional car design um, because the the pricing is so aggressive and so so tight on this one but that makes it for me even more uh, you know even more impressive that they have managed to do something like that so um, I, I give a lot of kudos uh, to the people at uh, at Citroen and you know oh, the forefront absolutely. at the moment is obviously Pierre Leclerc um, and not just for doing that but for also having the balls to run with it and bring it out into the market because mm. if you but if you look into what Mercedes is doing at the moment with Smart, obviously going fully electrified, um, you know, having a corporation with Geely based on the Smart as well, is where you think just like, okay, so are you really behind this, or like, you know, do you think it's better for different markets? This is this is for Europe, you know, this is this is going to come out all over Europe pretty much, and um, it's it, it it could also be you know working in China, it could also be working in in uh, in japan so i'm i'm very pleased with this i like the quirkiness personally but just you know also having the designers the balls to go for something like this and as you mentioned like lights are expensive and all these things but you know it's i i have the highest respect for it and for me the absolute coolest thing is the doors because they open in you know towards a different kind of direction and it looks really cool from the top level when they open that so they have this really cool shot on there mm. but uh, yeah so uh, well done well done to the uh to the Citroen design team on the AMI. No, but, I, definitely, uh, I definitely agree. I mean, I, I think, you know, from, from different levels in, in personalization as well, if you look, um, the design's been really well involved and we've seen little concepts like this unveiled before, but just to kind of, you know, sum it up, I think this is definitely in the vein of the 2CV um, for the modern day, right? A, a basic vehicle that can do a lot um, in a very small package and a very cheap package as well. Um, and uh, I think it's very, very relevant. And so, yeah, definitely I applaud uh, Citroën for putting this out, but definitely far more product-oriented than anything else on this list. Yeah. Cool. All right. So let's let's actually stay with the Frenchies for now quickly. Um, <laughs> very, very quickly. Um, let's talk about the DS9. Oh. And uh, I know that you had a little bit of a Twitter conversation about this car when they presented that as well. Yeah. Um, I, I think, yeah, I think yeah. you had some comments. I think it was about like the the front as well, like you know, with the chrome and stuff. But um, so this is pretty much a what, like a a, a five oh eight? Um, yes, Peugeot, but just for the DS platform and a little bit longer. So the wheelbase is a little bit longer because it's aimed for the. Uh, for the Chinese market, right? Is that what I what I get from it, or yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, as far as I know, um, you know, Chinese buyers are still out there wanting to purchase uh, sedans, um, and you know, uh, the flagship uh, Citroen is this DS, um, you know, and I don't, I don't know. I mean, there's there's certainly some cool detailing within this vehicle, but ultimately, I don't know. I'm just I'm not, I'm not impressed. I don't know. I mean, it's, I wish that it was something a bit, a bit wilder, a bit more, you know, DS inspired rather than just kind of a, a repeater on the D pillar. Like, I, you know, it's, I'm just, I'm underwhelmed, unfortunately, with this, uh, with this vehicle. And I know the packaging constraints. I know like everything that they had to deal with in terms of coming out and creating something based on this already existing platform. But um, I just think it, there's nothing really that communicates DS to me, um, mm. you know, about this. You know, it doesn't 
pay homage to its 1955 predecessor. It doesn't, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that I think they are lacking with this brand, which is a real shame because I think from, a, 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 and we've talked about this in the past, you know, with other like you know, SUVs and things that they've brought out, I think there is scope to create something really different and maybe, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to alienate some potential buyers in China because ultimately that's the whole reason this brand was created, right? Is to uh, leverage the Parisian aspect of this bag like Louis Vuitton, but uh, of this uh, vehicle company rather. But at the same time, I, I just, I, I think the typology is really what dissuades me the most about this vehicle. It, I think it's very difficult. I think, you know, um, the DS sales numbers in general are they don't really allow them to become more adventurous um in the design um what i you know it's 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 quite conservative i do understand the constraints of the of the platform and everything but i also think that some of the details like for example this chrome thing on the hood mm. i don't even know like you know how i should uh, present you know like describe yeah, it's it. just a, a decorative element basically it's yeah, just uh, uh it's <laughs> It's a, it's, it's just it's a like, spine. why is it there? Why is it mm. there? You know, is what, what, why would you, why would you want to put that on there? I mean, you know, we've seen that with Hongshis, they have it traditionally, you know, on the front as well. And obviously you can take that from there, but I, I just don't see why the DS has that. Maybe, uh, you know, I'm not as, you know, as well informed about some past or the history of DS that this might've been something in the past. And if it is, then I do apologize. No, it has zero to do with the past. This is has to do with Chinese market. That's it. Yep. You know, you so, make it make it flashy, and they'll like it. You know, it's different. Yep. So we've never seen it before. So let's do it. That's really the only reason. There's nothing DS about this. Yeah, but you know what I what I think is obviously DS is its own design team, and Citroen and Peugeot is its own design team. Is it though? Uh, yeah, 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 they're all separate. I think really uh, completely I, entirely I separate. Is that right? I think so. Yeah, okay. I think so. But, wow. Um, so. For me is when I look at it, this is this is the fundamental thing. It's not a bad car, but it doesn't stand out in today's culture. So, you know, if you see it on the streets, why would you buy this instead of a Mercedes, you know, E-Class or an S-Class or something like that? Uh, you know, what is what what does it make it stand out as a whole from a seven series or an A8 or an A7 or something like that? It's 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 just not from that perspective pushing enough to have the standout culture and i i could see that this is going to be difficult in china you know because the chinese have so much so much option there as well is the question of like why would they want to buy this instead of a mercedes or instead of the um instead of the audi that's that's just a question from from a, from a, from a design perspective i can't answer uh, the funny thing is because we can only view this on uh on pictures uh, it looks much better in a darker color than in a lighter color. Yeah. Mm. And um, yeah, and the interior, I don't know. It's again, it's like, it's 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 this kind of thing, like well-made, everything is okay, but it doesn't necessarily stand out. Like for example, the 208 stood out uh, when we saw it last year in Geneva, you know? Mm. And I think if you, if you want to get that from a, from a creative perspective, these standout features uh, are something of very much importance. And of course, maybe from pictures, we just don't see that right away or we can't really, really see yeah. that. But it doesn't really give me the confidence that, you know, a lot, enough people will buy a DS9 instead of an S-Class or something like that. 
Yeah, no, I think it's got to be within the details. And, you know, if you're a keyboard warrior checking stuff out on a, on a laptop, you can't really see the intricacies of those details. Proportionally, yeah. of course, you know, like you say, it's, it's based on this 508 platform, so a bit elongated. I think the only real way that they can get into the Chinese market with any success is um, and compete against the likes of, you know, some of the European uh, premium car manufacturers, uh, German premium car manufacturers that we know is is uh, is uh, in price. That's it, you know, and and yep. um, that it'll hopefully that will uh, that will give them a, an edge and an advantage because otherwise, yeah, I mean, if you've got if it's the same amount of money, why would you get this over an E class uh, or an S or whatever? I don't even know the size of this thing. It's four, oh, four and a half, uh, almost five meters actually. So yeah, it's mm. about S class in size. Um, yeah, maybe not quite actually, but a bit shorter. But anyway, um, yeah. So I, I'm just yeah. I think that's enough time spent discussing this. If I'm <laughs> honest. Uh, I, it's a shame because when I when the DS brand came out, I thought they were going to be doing something really cool. Um, they have an incredible heritage. They could do with some really strong innovation. And then at the same time, they're not really coming out with anything particularly innovative at all. Um, but the interior, you know, it's it's far more geometric and architectural um, and than, than anything else. I, I, I do kind of appreciate that kind of, you know, modern element uh, to their to their interiors and their design. But um yeah, overall, I just you know I, I know that I know the name of the uh, the game in the auto industry. You have to share platforms and cut corners in order to make the bottom line, um, you know, uh, make it worthwhile. But uh, it's it just mm-hmm. it's a shame that uh, it 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 isn't more adventurous and more um, unique as as Citroen's DS was, you know, in yeah. terms of innovation. Speaking of more adventurous and, uh, you know, in, innovative, I, I leave that up to the people. Um, let's talk a little bit about the Bentley Mulliner Bacalar, which is following the trend of having, you know, having spider cars and convertibles. And uh, it's a new Bentley car. So, you know, that's quite a bit of a surprise on like what they have come out with. And in my opinion, this thing has some really, really cool things and some really bad things as well. So like, you know, the, um, if you if you would have a, a, a balance, the balance would almost be impossible to find because the stuff that I like, I really like. And the stuff I don't like, I was just like, what is going on there? <laughs> so um, so I don't know. Like, what, 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 what do you think about Bentley's latest creation and uh, the presentation? Well, first of all, I, you know, when this was teased quite a long way ahead of the show and i fully expected to see an suv like you know uh another kind of trim level for the bentega i didn't expect a new vehicle i totally expected like an insane kind of decked out uh bentega but anyway that was me i guess i don't know I'm, i'm so used to seeing suvs now and suvs are so much part of the uh uh, of the landscape these days that I just totally imagined that would be it. I did not imagine a two seat, you know, Barchetta from, uh, from Bentley, not at all. Um, but you know, it's like, like the, uh, the, the Jamera that we discussed earlier, this is very much a, you know, limited edition, um, you know, one and a half million pound, uh, 
you know, vehicle for super rich billionaires, not to mention the fact that it's powered by, by a V12 engine. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, Jesus Christ, like, I mean, come on, this is another one where you have to be like extremely privileged, um, you know, to, to own one of these, um, there's only 12 cars that are going to be built. And it's really just, uh, to me, what struck me when I saw it was the fact that they are bringing Mulliner back, right? Mulliner mm-hmm. being this historic nameplate coach builder that they used to use. Um, and then that they eventually bought, if I'm not mistaken, um, you know, is uh, it was very much it's in line with what we're seeing happening in the super high end luxury um, elements mm-hmm. of the business right now. Um, you know, people are either going to be buying Citroen Amis because they need to get around or renting them <laughs> to a subscription, <laughs> or if they've got way too much money, they want to go out and buy, um, something like this, apparently, um, because that's what these super high end luxury manufacturers, Bugatti, Bentley, I mean, you know, you name it are going for, uh, Aston Martin as well. So, I mean, everybody is going, getting into this game, um, so the V12 two-passenger Barquetta is a bit of a disconnect with what's happening in reality. Um, you know, what the, I don't know. I mean, if even if I had the money, which is presumably about 100, you know, 1, 1.5 million, I think it is. Uh, I don't know if I'd get that. I mean, shit, I'd buy a house, you know. But anyway, mm. uh, I think from a design perspective, it's, it's a bit more vulgar, I think, than what we're used to seeing Bentley <laughs> as, mm. and uh, you know, Bentayga notwithstanding. I mean, you know, there's certain things that you can do with that car and the Rolls Royce as well um, SUV, where you know your 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 hip hop artists are going to have a field day, and and they've shown <laughs> some of these things that Mansoori has created off the basis of these vehicles, which is wow. But anyway, yeah. um, I think. It's based on this uh, 100EX concept um, that was shown uh, in, uh, in um, where was it, in uh, over the summer sometime, whenever it was. Um, and so the EXP100 GT, um, which is a very long, you know, vehicle, which had some very interesting details. But I, I mean, I don't, I don't really see how um, Bentley can... I don't know. I mean, it's it's a complete change in terms of their design language from what it is that they were creating in terms of soft, flowing, seamless, very mm. uh, ele- elegant, I would say, design. And, and this, this is much more, and you mentioned it before, in your face um, than, than something else, like, you know, uh, than anything that they've done pretty much in the past, in my opinion. So I don't know. Mm. I mean, I'm not a huge fan um, I, obviously there is a market for these cars right now and people are going to be looking to, um, definitely, uh, make some money off of having something like this in the lineup. And, uh, if you can charge that much for a car, Hey, why not? Right. But I don't see it being very relevant. I, what I, what I do like about it. I mean, this is, this is why I said this in the beginning is if you really look at the just a side view itself and just ignore a little bit the front. I find it actually very nice. You know, it, it's, it's quite clean. It doesn't play with too many lines. You know, it's not too busy. I think it's, it's actually a very elegant kind of style. And I do have to say, I do very much enjoy the rear because the rear is, 
it seems also, again cleaned up it's not too heavy you know it doesn't come with a hundred million diffusers uh, anymore it's you know it's it's rather clean but it doesn't fit the overall picture with the front the mm. front is this kind of in your face uh you know look look at how big our grill is and look how big you know the air intakes is and everything mm. Mm. it's almost like you have a completely different car from the front you know the side and the rear and that's that's for me the biggest problem about it because either make it vulgar which is the front mm. you know or you make it much more eloquent uh, eloquent from the rear but it almost looks like you know like a, a party in the, you know you, you you have party in the front of business in the back in that sense and so this is the mullet of of, it's, uh, of it's hypercars the, it's, the, it's the mullet of way too expensive luxury cars <laughs> and and that's actually really sad because like you know i i saw the the rear three quarter view at first and i was like oh that's really cool i like that and then you got like to go towards the front and just like come on guys what 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 happened there who came towards that kind of idea yeah um also with the air intake on the hood you know it it looks like oh we go fast and furious or we go like need for speed in the front and then you know oh and by the way um but i forgot i had to go to the opera oh so can we make the, <laughs> the rear is the opera like just doesn't 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 work unfortunately in that sense which is really a shame because i think if they've either would have done an aggressive car that could have been really cool or if they would have done the car as a fully you know eloquent and really high level you know uh, dialed car in a very positive manner almost like you know uh, and, and what, what an aston used to be then that would have been great so in that kind of circumstance as it is at the moment it's just a weird mix of you know uh, ideas that probably were put together and unfortunately, that just doesn't work out. Um, yeah, it's which, interesting which that you. Which is a bit of a shame. Yeah, it's interesting that you say weird mix because that's exactly what I get. I mean, you mentioned the rear three quarter before. Now, um, I think my biggest issue, perhaps, with the rear three quarter is this um, this you know line, this accentuation that they've put on the rear haunch. Um, mm. I don't think that's necessary at all. I think if they'd done away with that and made it more of a voluptuous, flowing, uh, more human like gesture i think it would be uh it would communicate better with me um i don't know why it's there maybe they wanted to show that you know hey we're hard-edged and we can do this and just because you can doesn't mean you should i think this is a, a classic example of you know take away lines and i think if De silva had still been in in command over there at the vw group he probably would have come in and said what the hell are you guys doing with that shoulder uh, you know, why is there this, uh, why are you accentuating the haunch with this kind of useless uh, yeah. addendum uh, of a line? Um, and I, I mean, I just, that to me is probably the most jarring element of that vehicle is that rear haunch. And of course, you have to pronounce the rear haunch because it's a rear drive V12 powered, um, you know, supercar. But mm. I, I don't think that it does it any favors. I think that it it makes it um, just d way too busy and fussy and certainly in that regard, not necessary. Another thing that's, in my opinion, very much unnecessary <laughs> to move on to the next mm. car is the uh, Aston Martin V12 Speedster. <laughs> um, and I put this out there yet again. I absolutely love the brand of Aston Martin. But this thing is... I, I don't know what you think about this because we haven't really spoken uh, up front, but this is, I mean, this is a joke for me. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just, uh, why is it there? 
I don't know. I know they have money problems. Do they need that? Mm. Look, it's it's an absolute joke, this thing. If I look into the front, you know, like throw that thing away. Like, what are you doing? It's way too busy with everything that's happening. The side uh, is going away from a traditional, very simplistic Aston Martin style to, um, you know, to, to, uh, to a, a fully overloaded way of, you know, how the side interacts. The rear is probably one of the better rears that they've done in the, in the, in the recent years. But this, this, is, this seems a little bit just like a toy car or somebody came up, it's like, oh, you know, Ferrari did the SP2. And it seems like these speedster cars without the windscreen are, are the cool thing at the moment because McLaren is doing one as well. Um, yeah, sorry, this, this, is a, this is a massive fail. And, uh, you know, I know they're only going to build, what, like 88 of them at the price of about 750,000 uh, pounds starting. Uh, I, a bit more I, than that, actually. I, <laughs> is it? Uh, yeah, but more, I doubt but anyway, they, yes. I would, probably, I would probably question that they will sell all of them. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't doubt they will sell them. Yes. I mean, there's only 88 going to be built. Um, but you know, uh, I like you, and and I mentioned this earlier in the po- in the podcast as well. That this is going to be a theme. I mean, we spoke about it. These ultra high end kind of you know bespoke one offs, not one offs, but limited edition, shall we say, um, vehicles is is very much um, it's it's very much du jour. It's been something that we've seen just grow and grow and grow over the last few years and just and this is i guess the uh the latest um example the latest entry in that um growing list of one-off kind of collector edition um if you will want to call it that in a few years time um vehicles so again you know a massive disconnect (laughs) with you know on one hand you got like climate change greta and then on the other end you got austin martin v12 spider like i mean granted at seven seven and change seven sixty five whatever it's pretty much half the price of the Bentley, but it's still a v twelve powered two passenger like what is this you know and um i'm not um, I've never been a big fan of cars without a windscreen like at the end of the day, if you want to have no windscreen, just get on a bike, save a shitload of money, you still need to wear a helmet you know what I mean. <laughs> um and you still need a helmet to to drive around legally in one of these things, I think, so it's pointless, it's completely pointless. And um, it's a shame because, yeah, Aston Martin, not in the best financial condition right now, um, not doing particularly well. But, hey, if you can get 765 out of the uh, some punter for uh, for one of these 88 examples of your V12 Spider, OK, then. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't um, it, it's another, you know, millionaire's toy. And I don't really see the point. Yeah, so. You know, let's 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 not go into any kind of uh, more detail with that. I think the people see that this is certainly. Um, if we would have seen that in the flesh, I think we <laughs> we would have looked at it for like five minutes and then moved on. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah. You know, it's it's just that thing for me. Obviously, there's a lot of emotional um, you know attachment for me to that brand because I like it a lot. And it's yes, but it's it's just has nothing to do with the with the past anymore. You know, this I can mm. understand this as well. But uh, I, I would, I would challenge that this is the right thing to do. I've been, been talking, you know, to a bunch of dealers about this as well, and they're challenging that as well. Um, so I don't know if you know the current setup that they have. I mean, you know, Lawrence Stroll coming in, being the new 
uh, investor and CEO or whatever, or president or whatever his official role will be there. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, one one can hope that he will clean up a little bit. And uh, obviously, they've tried to do that already um, due to the financial situation. But maybe this cleanup can go a little bit further, and maybe we will get back to more what the uh, you know the Fisker uh, V8 used to be, and uh, the mm. Ian Column DZ7, those kind of cars, uh, you know, which are highly regarded in today's culture, of course. But yeah. uh, if we look into the new Vantage, if we look into even you know the the, the DBS Superleggera, they are nowhere close in terms of respect uh, for that. And maybe maybe it's time to change something. Yeah, I don't and know. I think, maybe. Yeah. No, go on. Sorry. Yeah. So I think you know Stroll coming in, of course, you know going for mid-engine directions and stuff like that. But you know you need to have that one car that's uh, that really sells, which used to be the Vantage, and it's not the Vantage anymore. Mm. Um, so you you need to probably look a little bit back and why why is it that people bought these Astons and especially like you know Vantages? I mean they sold over I think over ten thousand Vantages of the Fisker generation. That for for a company like Aston Martin is a massive amount of cars. And at the moment, they're not anywhere close to that. Um, and maybe the DBX will help him with that one. I don't think it will be. But, you know, I think, you know, further ch- further things need to change. And um, maybe maybe that will have a certain kind of, you know, and hopefully it will that, you know, influence on the design department as well. Yeah. I think ultimately, Aston's really shot itself in the foot by discontinuing all EV involvement. I think they really need to bring that back in, uh, you know, really fast. Because, mm-hmm. you know, um, let's face it, you know, internal combustion engines are going away really quickly just in light of like current regulations and uh, everything that is surrounding, um, you know, uh, the um, the world right now is huge. Uh, if they can show themselves as being innovative from that perspective, um, continue to show kind of, you know, interesting designs, perhaps, you know, maybe not in the direction that they're going at the moment, but you know, that they have in their repertoire. I mean, because let's face it, the Bentley, for example, you know, when that um, 100 EXP came out, um, that was purely electric. And they, yeah. you know, Bentley and Rolls-Royce have in the fa- in the past shown off pure electric vehicles, granted at the concept stage, but still, they are showing that they're interested and in that they could potentially be going in that direction. Now with BMW um, and Volkswagen, uh, you know, Rolls-Royce, Bentley, respectively, um, as parent companies, there's no doubt that there will be some sort of electrification for these um, awesome, like, you know, luxury, super luxury um, manufacturers. Aston Martin's kind of off on the side being like, hey, yeah, we're going to be doing these V12s. If we can squeeze out a couple of guys to buy 88 examples of this V12, it's like, come on, mm-hmm. guys, get with the times, man. Like, you know, come out and do something not only interesting from a from a design perspective, obviously you want to cater to the uh, to the car enthusiast. But look at what out uh, look at what Lotus has done. You know they mm. came out with the Avaya. Avaya is pure electric. You know super limited edition as well, no doubt. M- million pounds and change, no doubt. But you know, hey, it's electric, right? And so um, and and it's more future looking uh, generally in 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 all around. You know, <laughs> from a from a basic aesthetic perspective to um, but anyway, I think Aston uh, is is unfortunately trailing behind, and I I can only hope that this added investment in the new uh, you know buyer is going to be doing something interesting for them um, because they need it. All they right. certainly do. Um, let's talk about something new. Um, 
which we didn't really expect. This company just showed up a few months ago, mm. which is the Zinger 21Z. And it's 21Z. Zinger, not, yes. in, yes. not in the sense of like, you know, the Zinger Porsche guys. No. This is Zinger with a, a Z uh, with the with a C and a Z yes uh, in the beginning and uh, it's yet another hypercar so you know we, we we're not we're not we're not getting rid of them <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yet another hypercar coming out of America this time coming with a background of 3D printing uh, yeah. which I find very interesting but uh, not a very pretty car I have to say. From no, my perspective. I, I I would agree. Um, you know, I, I know a couple of guys that were involved in this uh, in this um, thing, but you know, this is from you know one of the many companies that um, that uh, is 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 coming out of California right now. Um, this, yeah, I mean, it's I don't think it's a, a very good looking car. It's obviously going to be a very limited edition vehicle, um, but there it, there are some strong people behind this, um, and and as you mentioned, the. Uh, you know the the propulsion system, or rather the manufacturing system, the three D uh, manufacturing is is really going to um, save a lot of time and money, um, and hopefully that's going to be able to uh, to trickle down into uh, for other OEMs um, as well, and, and not just in terms of you know it's cost efficient and it's time effective and all of that. No, um, when you think about what this has the potential to do for company or for countries rather. That have yet to enter into the manufacturing of motor vehicles or mm. whatever mobility systems. This is going to be really quite cool. Um, for, so from that perspective, you know, yeah, I think it's uh, it's it's great. You know, three um, D printed components as well can be very lightweight. They can be manufactured in very uh, short amount of time, and they cost zero money. And and you know, you can also um, use uh, a lot of much more sustainable materials in terms of of construction, um, as well. Um, if you're able to, uh, to do that. So, yeah, I think it's great. Um, you know, Divergent is the parent company and they, they've done, um, some, some stuff in that, uh, in terms of production in the past. Um, but yeah, it's, it's certainly not like, I don't think it's that, um, pleasing, shall we say mm-hmm. aesthetically. Uh, I do like the the package. You know, it's kind of like a uh, a Twizy on steroids, right? I think <laughs> it's uh, you know because it's like this two passenger tandem. Like the doors are absolutely massive, um, but uh, yeah, I think it's um, it, it's it's a it's another kind of one off thing that is uh, is going to be great for you know people, performance car enthusiasts, certainly. Um, you know, to, uh, to get behind the wheel of, I mean, I'd love to go for a drive, um, of this and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very interesting car, um, from that yeah, perspective. This seems, this seems very much like a technology, uh, carrier, yes. you know, it's to kind of show what the companies such as Divergent when it comes to 3d printing and, uh, you know, with, 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 with all the materials that they can 3d print nowadays is capable of doing. And, with that happening is oftentimes that, you know, they think they can do something. And obviously with the restraints of certain sizes that they can achieve and, and shapes, because tooling just works a little bit differently. Um, they're obviously, you know, in my, in my personal opinion, a little bit in a corner of what they can achieve with, with the design. And, mm-hmm. um, that is obviously a restriction a designer has to work with. And I think this is not an easy one to work with. But, uh, you know, it's, it's still something for me personally is where I say, like, 
the only color for me that works is is black. Uh, the blue color on the pictures, uh, the white color on the pictures is it's just not working. It seems a little bit like a robo race car, but you kind of had to put, you know, a capsule in the middle so that somebody is driving it. Uh, if you compare it with the robo race, it looks much better. Um, and it doesn't really look fresh. It looks like, you know, you take some elements from all these different cars that are already out there that are interested and or interesting in general. Like, you know, if you look into the interior, it looks a little bit like a McLaren Speedtail, for example. Obviously comes with the layout of the seats as well. It's only a two-seater, but they're right behind. There's there's nothing new in here. So I don't I don't know um you know where where this where this can go in the long term. Uh I think you know they they will do a few cars. I don't think that we're gonna see divergent or like you know zinger again in the future with with more cars. Um, unless they're really going to start to do like a Citroen Ami style. I mean, mm. that's that would have been even better. Obviously, you don't get that much ex- intention with it as if you would with a, with a supercar. But, uh, you know, based on supercars, I mean, why would you want to get something like this if you can get a, a Chiron or a Koenigsegg? Well, yeah, I mean, look, it's, it's interesting. There's two things that you mentioned there that are very interesting. Um, one is that it looks dated. And the thing is, if you look back into Divergence history, they created a vehicle called the Blade. Um, and that was shown back in, um, you know, it was a pure concept, maybe even a, a, just a static model. I don't even know if it ran, mm-hmm. but it was very much what the C21 or 21C is. Um, you know, it was made of, you know, nodes and carbon fiber tubes for a chassis. It was a tandem, you know. So, and this is a car that was launched back in 2015. So, we're talking five years back. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they've done a few minor things and changes um, to that vehicle um, in terms of getting it ready for production and building. I don't know how many they're going to build, but it's going to be, you know, a, a one-off type thing as well. Their marketing is really, really very good, though. I mean, I got to say, um, you know, for a company this small, and they decided to move ahead and do all of these things over in Geneva. Um, they're, they're, you know, from a marketing perspective, the way that they're launching this vehicle is really, really uh, well done. Um, I know the girl behind it, you know, from way back who's done uh, their marketing um, for this. Um, but uh, Kevin Zinger as well is, 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 is very well in tune with what's, uh, what's happening um, in the automotive industry as well. I mean, this is a guy that uh, back in the day did uh, a company called Coda Automotive, which unfortunately is no longer around. He probably lost some money in that. But um, Coda was building electric vehicles. They, didn't, they weren't particularly special, but this mm. is a vehicle manufacturer that started life back in 2009 in Los Angeles, um, purely mm. on the uh, building of electric vehicles. So, you know, we're talking over a decade's worth of experience in this department, automotive batteries, um, things like that. So, you know, Kevin Zinger is, is, is definitely a guy to watch. He knows what he's doing. Um, but, you know, this, and again, I'm not sure how, uh, what the plan is with, uh, with the, the, the Zinger uh, 21C. Um, but it is certainly a, a hyper car. Um, and, uh, it's, it's interesting from a, a driver's perspective, a lightweight, um, you know, construction and, uh, 3d, certainly printing construction methodology perspective. Um, but yeah, I don't really know what to make of the, uh, the company long term, right? Because it's still yeah. powered by a V8 engine. 
Yeah, and, yeah. I, and I think you know it might very, might very well be the case that you know they use it as a showcase. Yeah, so it's just about showing what they can do with three D printing on all different kind of size levels. Mm. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, let's see what's going to happen. Yeah, uh, I mean, one, one start- final thing on this though is that if you compare again, we don't talk about engines all that much, and I'm not all that much uh, into um, performance figures, but if you talk about what this car can achieve. You know, um, with a hybrid setup, we're talking 1,250 horsepower, which is yeah. about 500 short of what the Jamera <laughs> can accomplish. Um, and that doesn't have a V8 engine that this one does. Mm. So, you know, clearly there's a hell of a lot more um, technology, revolutionary technology in the uh, in the Conan Seg than mm. in this uh, in the Zinger. But you're absolutely right. I'm sure it's a technology showpiece in terms of the uh, the 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 manufacturing process. Yeah. All right, we, we're going to slowly finish up. So we have two more cars to go. And uh, let's actually do it with the Genesis first. Oh, right. We, okay. We're going to talk about the Genesis G80. And uh, and then we're going to finish it up with uh, your beloved little car out of Italy. Mm. <laughs> mm. Um, Genesis G80. I would have to say some minor details that I really don't like about this. We'll talk about this later. But uh, we've already said that the GV80, which was the uh, SUV, so this is where the naming is getting a little bit complicated, but Mm. I hope we're going to get it right. The GV80 was actually a very positive surprise for us already. We believe there was some very strong influence from the Bentley side on this one. And uh, on this one, I would have to say, when I see the... Um, when I see the side view, it has quite a bit of influence from an Audi A7 of the De Silva days. So um, we can clearly see this kind of direction coming from the Volkswagen side. But I have to say, this looks actually really good. The rear looks very much like the Genesis Essentia uh, that we saw and talked about earlier quickly when when Sasha came in. I still really enjoy the lighting that they're doing with it. I think they're very consequent, very cool very modern with doing something like that. And uh, that was a very, very pleasant surprise uh, that came out. A couple of details that I don't like, but uh, we, we talk about them a little bit later. Um, but very impressive. Very impressive. I definitely agree. Um, you know, somebody contacted me yesterday and said, hey, what do you think? And uh, I mean, look, I think it's absolutely incredible looking at that car in those kind of moody pictures, I mean, there's only five images that were, you know, exhibited. I don't even know if this was actually planned to be in Geneva, if they were just like, yeah, why not? Um, no, they were. They were, supposed they? They, were supposed, they were supposed to show the car in Geneva. Okay. Well, that's, that's yeah. interesting because, you know, the fact that this is really an American, Genesis is an American brand, right? Um, perhaps, you know, they have aspirations of entering in the, in the European market, but the European market is hard. Um, and very difficult, especially for a D-class luxury saloon. But um, I think if I'm looking at this car, yes, it very much follows on with the GV80, the SUV that we saw, which I was kind of, you know, there were some cool details and things, but ultimately I'm just not a big fan of SUVs. Um, It's not only because I'm an automotive enthusiast, which I am, I love to drive, um, but I also just find them to be a bit wasteful. But again, you know, some people may have and do have a different opinion than I do because clearly that is the top selling vehicle. Now, this um, across a range of different uh, continents. This G80, however, is something that's way more my speed um, because if this thing drives as good as it looks, 
this is going to be an absolutely amazing vehicle. Now, what I love about this car, especially from an exterior design perspective, is just how incredibly sensual it is. I mean, there's to me, yes, there is some A7, certainly in the profile, in the uh, in the D-pillar, for example. You know, it's like this fastback silhouette. Yeah. It's something, I think, in my opinion, that, you know, Mercedes could also be doing because it's quite simple. It's very refined. Yeah. It's very elegant. Um, and then, of course, you know, they have these two-bar um, lamps um, that are just carrying everything around it. So it's very, very harmonious. Um, and, you know, I think it's... It's an incredibly beautiful, you know, design um, from a surfacing perspective as well. Um, you know, there's only one element again which I would, which I would kind of uh, levy criticism against, which is there's these two lines again over the uh, over the the rear haunch, which perhaps mm. is you know expected to convey athleticism, which is basically what this brand is meant to convey. Is this uh, level of dynamic athleticism, but also super luxury. Um, and again, you know, I can't be mad at it because, you know, two lines, right? So <laughs> that's kind of their main theme is two lines, two lines. So you've yeah. got these two lines coming in just um, over the uh, the rear wheel. Um, but otherwise, I mean, if we're looking at, um, uh, you know, this vehicle as a whole, you know, and we're looking at it from an interior perspective as well as an exterior perspective. I mean, this is an incredibly elegant proposition, certainly fitting a, a, a very luxury level automobile. I mean, this is like, you know, Hyundai bringing it to Mercedes Benz, like, you know, hey, we can yeah. do this even better than you can type thing. Yeah. Um, because, you, damn it, like I, the interior is phenomenal. Uh, let's stay on the exterior. Very, exterior very quickly is also phenomenal. <laughs> I, I, I agree on everything you said, but I have to say one thing that really lets the whole thing down are the wheels. Mm. The wheels look like aftermarket 1999, 2000, <laughs> put them on the Honda S2000 to make it look cool. Yeah, wheels. I'm, not, I'm not mad at it. Um, I, I see what you're saying. Though. I get, I get you what you're saying. You know, it's, it, they just look, it's like the whole thing, you see the whole thing and it looks like, that the wheels just looks cheap compared to everything else. You know, it's that's really on the exterior. The only thing that I can that I can say is like it 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 holds it back because it it just doesn't have that kind of elegance as the rest of the exterior has. But that of course can be changed. You know, so we're we're, we're not wheel haters here. It's just something that in the in the composition of a picture doesn't necessarily look like, uh, great. Um, I agree on the interior. The interior is great, apart from one thing again, and uh, I'll stick to wheels. The steering wheel is something mm. weird. Mm -mm. the The middle console is nice. The I like the screen. It has a good size. It's not too small, not too big. Um, but the steering wheel just looks weird. <laughs> it just looks a little bit I agree. Out, of, out of date. I, I agree with you. Yes, it is a bit dated. It is. Uh, it, it doesn't really go with the rest of it because it's qu actually quite modern and contemporary. I don't know why they chose to do particularly that kind of, you know, the color. Uh, you know, if you look at it from this perspective, um, from uh, like the, the, the images that they've shown in, in this specific model that they've chosen to show, um, you know, it is consistent, I suppose, in terms of the uh, the door panels and, you know, the wood color ways are, are very. But then, you know, you've got, I guess, the reason why it is the way it is, is because they had to keep that one element of the 
within the the center of the steering wheel um, mm. adaptable in terms of airbags and you know you want to put it on a lot of different vehicles but then the steering wheel is presumably going to be offered in an array of different colors in order to match those um, um, you know door, those door cards basically yeah and the upper on the uh, and the headliner presumably as well so yeah, I mean, you know, I can see why they've done it, but again, yeah, it does look a little bit sad, doesn't it? <laughs> and a little yeah, bit dated and, and, as well. And, and but but again, I think you know, um, as an overall picture, they've done so many good things um, on on this car. At least from what we see from the pictures, you know, wheels outside, okay, they can be changed. Steering wheel, it's something that obviously in the overall picture lets it down a tiny little bit. But if I look, especially in the center console, the armrest. It's just, you know, it just looks good. It mm. just looks all in one place. Everything is, you know, organized. Everything is clean. It's just well done. It's, you know, it's sometimes the best compliment that you can give someone is well done. And this is exactly what it is. You yeah. know, it's not over the top. And I think for, you know, if, if they can keep the pricing on what they've used to do at, uh, at Genesis, that's going to be a massive competitor to the S-Class. Um, and if you think, and this is this is the, the the interesting thing, look at this one, and then look at the DS9. Yeah, exactly, right. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know the size of this, but the last one was massive, and we're talking twenty inch wheels here as well. So yeah. this is, you know, even though the the vehicle that we're seeing in these pictures are actually these pictures are, are renderings, right? They're not real. Um, so, but this is um, so that's what kind of leads me to think that this was not going to be in Geneva. But anyway, um, I, you know, they've always made a lot of noise in New York. I expect to see this in New York if that show, in fact, yeah. goes on. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's way, way better than the last G80 for sure. Yeah. Um, and even or the G90, I should say, because the G80 is something that we've seen before, or G70, I should say. No, so this is the one that slots between the two. And this is more in line with the G70 that we've seen. Um, and, you know, the G90 is is something that was just, um, you know, that was definitely before, you know, uh, the, the um, star uh, design team came in, um, you know, led mm. by Luke and, and Sengyup and all the rest. Um, before they came in, um, it was, you know, the G, uh, 90 was something that was, um, yeah, just before their time and clearly needed a little bit more reworking. So, um, I'm not, a, I'm not a big fan of this, the big one, you know, yeah. but, uh, that this new one is, is very, very nice indeed. All right. Last but not least. Because we've been we've been here already for an hour and ten. Oh, jeez! Yeah, wow. <laughs> the last one, Fiat Five Hundred La Prima, which is the facelift new version. I'll, I'll let you decide on that one of the Fiat Five Hundred, and it's fully electric. Yeah, well, that's the thing. That's what makes it new. So they're saying it's all new. Um, the platform itself is probably all new because as far as I know, this is the first FCA all electric vehicle that's been mm -hmm. created, even though they did have a version of the 500E before um, in the States. So that is kind of weird. So anyway, I don't really know where to put that. <laughs> well, I'll just leave it out there. Um, <laughs> but uh, according to, um, according to uh, you know, Fiat, this is the first all electric um, vehicle, FCA vehicle. So, okay. Um there's a lot to like in this new one because 
This is the third generation of the 500 venerable little car that we've seen, you know, for a long time now. I mean, the, the second, obviously the first one was Dante Giancosa back in the 50s, right? But this is um, a very new uh, vehicle that um, has been unveiled. Um, it, it's the third iteration, essentially, because when the mm-hmm. Nueva 500 came out, um, which was the uh, 2007 edition based on the Fiat uh, Trip Uno concept and by uh, Giolito, Roberto Giolito. Um, this was uh, a revolutionary car for them, which is why it's been in uh, production for, damn, like 13 years. I remember going on that test drive back mm-hmm. in 2007 um, in uh, in Turin uh, on the river. It was a massive affair and it was absolutely brilliant. I got to drive that little car around Turin, which is where it's meant to be driven. But clearly, extremely successful um, vehicle, um, compact, you know, a lot of different derivatives, Abarth and all the rest. Um, so super cool car, but there was always some elements of that vehicle that, you know, began to show their age and for, you know, for Fiat, it was certainly a very successful model. So why pull it, right? Fiat's not really one to, um, you know, uh, they don't have turnover within their lineup all that often, you know, at the, mm. if they, if they find a, a successful model, I mean, look at Lancia, for example, Lancia's still going with some, you know, uh, vehicles that were done like, you know, decades ago. Anyway. Um, this, this new 500, I think is, is very much a, uh, a modern take on that remake, right. And therefore on the original concept and, um, you know, package and, uh, vehicle from again, 1957, I think the original came out, but so the, the, this new, uh, 500, again, the third generation is, is super cool um, and people love this city car. And so why not? I mean, that's the thing. Um, they kept the, the main theme of the vehicle, but they brought it up and made him far more contemporary. So again, we've got the same overall silhouette. I'm sure dimensionally it's probably identical. Um, but they've made massive step changes, um, to this vehicle, uh, in terms of the overall, like the DRG, um, you know, the, the fact that they now have a split kind of lamp where they have it coming through the, uh, the headlamp, uh, coming through the hood rather at the top, um, the grill, the, the whole front end is a little, has been revised. Clearly it's electric. So there's certain things that it needs and that doesn't. And then, um, the interior, I, I guess is the biggest thing. I mean, the exterior, there's like minor changes to the tail lamps and things, but the interior is where, really where they've made a huge, huge stride forward. Um, and, and I think it's, it's really, really well done because uh, let's face it, this again is an electric vehicle. It's going to be offered purely in electric form as far as my understanding is. Um, so it's going to command a bit of a price premium. And that's what everybody's kind of been on about in the, uh, on the internet in various different forms um, is just how expensive it is going to be to mm. get into a, a 500. It's like 37 and change euros. Um, oh, 30, wow. 37,000 euros. Yeah, man. It's, it's not cheap. Um, so they needed to give it a huge boost. And I think they have in terms of the interior in particular. Um, you know, it's... Uh, 
it's a very expensive proposition for a very tiny car. But also, mm-hmm. I think something that they've done very well at Fiat um, in terms of bringing it up to contemporary standards and without going the way that Mini did. Um, because Mini, I think, you know, as much as I like um, that brand and the people that work within it, I think they lost the plot, man. You know, I think they, they really did not uh, follow through with the, the, the essential idea of what made a Mini a Mini. Um, mm. And now it could be anything, right? What makes it a mini? It doesn't. It's not a mini anymore. Whereas the mm. 500 was is still very much a 500. And um, so, yeah, I really do. I really do appreciate this uh, this new car for what it is. I've always had a problem with the 500 is because I don't fit in it. <laughs> <laughs> you should try fitting in an original. <laughs> no, this, is, this is the point. Like, you know, I've had it as a, as a rental car once and I really had issues of like, you know, finding a good driving position with it uh, because my legs are just too long. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it just didn't, didn't really work out. Maybe that's why but, they made um, the 500X. <laughs> <laughs> but look, for me, like, okay, so if I look at this, you know, obviously there's some details that have changed and obviously the interior was completely refreshed and I appreciate that, but why is that going to sell for 35 grand if you can get the, almost the same car? And I, I say almost the same car for probably a third of the price. Mm. You know, it's, it's not, and it, it, it's more like an evolution rather than it's a revolution. And uh, if you compare again, like what, is, what it goes up against, like it goes up against the Honda E, for mm. example. Mm. Yes. And if if you ask me from a designer's perspective, yes, the Honda E concept was much better than the, the production version, but I still like the Honda better than the Fiat 500. Mm. <laughs> and if I have to pay the same amount of price for it with the approximately the same amount of range, why would I spend that? You know, and it's the same with the BMW i3, for example. You know, it's in the same price range. So... Um, that's going to be difficult for them. I th- I don't know how many they're gonna uh, they're gonna build. Like you know, if they're gonna really make it a mass product, or if it's just about to kind of try out a little bit, like you know how how they can move into the electric platform. Um, you know, yes, from a technological perspective, there's a big advancement over there. Of course, um, from a pure creative perspective. I don't know. You know, if the if the whole thing is about almost fifteen years old with the original one, I would have hoped for a little bit better and a little bit more, especially thinking about the electrification with it. Mm. You know, it's like use the electrification that allows you like think to work on things differently. Uh now this looks like what you've mentioned for me as a as a as a mini and let's use the mini platform. Uh, or like what's what smart are doing now as well is like, you know, put all the electric stuff into smart. The people will are not stupid enough to just fall for that. You know, the people will say, "Well, yeah, electric, all good, but if I have to pay that much extra, well, then I, I'd get the petrol version of it because that's going to be, you know, thrown at me at uh, at a tiny little amount of money compared to these thirty five grand." So, um, I think they've they've missed the chance here of really going electric with something really cool, something that I think Honda did well. And as you mentioned correctly, I think, you know, Mini, Mini has missed out. So I'm, I'm not as optimistic on it, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see where it will go. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I see your point and it's valid. You know, you can get a used car for way cheaper, but that's not the point, I think, here. And clearly, you know, developing an electric vehicle is going to cost some money. Um, but what they've done here is they've added a 
boatload of technology into this as well. Um, so it's it's not just, you know, it's very much an up-to-date vehicle. I mean, the last one, let's face it, has had very minor revisions um, until uh, in the last, like, decade plus that it's been for sale. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, the the launch edition is going to be 30, 37 and change, but, you know, perhaps it's going to start cheaper, at which point it will come on par with, um, you know, the Honda E. Now, whether people mm. are going to go for the E over the 500, I don't know. Maybe, you know, people like the 500 and they're going to um, go for the 500 over the E. I don't know. Um, one thing that I must say, though, about this vehicle is, um, you know, Fiat is really looking to leverage the sustainability aspect of the electric powertrain, certainly in their marketing and things like that. Mm-hmm. So what they've done is they've partnered with Leonardo DiCaprio's environmental organizations. He has several. And they've developed um, this uh, three very unique models, one of which was done by Armani, another one by Bulgari, another one by fashion brand Cartel. And I, you know, the to me, those are like super cool fashion, you know, accessory, trendy, like super awesome. It seems like they're only going to be building three of them, which is kind of a shame, you know, because if you think, why are they only building three when you have this personalization thing that people are just eating into right now? Um, and you can offer this, you know, on three different, very unique levels um, because the Armani thing is way different than the Bulgari trim, than the cartel trim. Mm. Um, you have this avail- ability to really personalize your vehicle, have it be uh, a limited edition of something. Don't just build three. It kind of makes, uh, it doesn't really make much sense from that perspective, you know, because they're going to be donating all the proceeds from those three vehicles to um, in a charity auction that they're going to hold. Um, so there's only going to be like, I don't know, you know, these things are going to be worth a hell of a lot of money if there's only yeah. three of them, but, um, or one of each, I should say. But um, yeah, I, I think, I think they've done a good job again, you know, Fiat, perhaps, you know, not wanting to stray too far from the, uh, the goose is the golden egg um, because this is really what the 500 has been for them. I mean, when you look comparatively at what other vehicles, um, in the Fiat range, um, the numbers that they do compared to what the 500 does. I mean, it's just, it's astounding, you know, uh, how successful that model has been and continues to be uh, over 10 years uh, past its initial introduction. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, this is very much a, let's, let's continue to get life out of this, give it a different powertrain and, you know, some new technology and, and continue producing this uh, really quite successful model. So, All yeah, right, I like it. So we're that, at the end I of guess, the production bit. Yeah, culminates <laughs> our production, uh, our production exactly. series of this podcast. So either if you, dear listener, are now continuing to listen to the uh, part two, which will be a separate podcast that we will be uploading, uh, we wish you all the enjoyment that you can find with all the production cars. Uh, sorry, with all the concept cars coming up in this next episode yes if you're starting to take a break and have a listen to us later uh eric thank you very much once again for uh for doing that with me together no pleasure and, thank you uh, martin please let the people know how can they find you on social media um well you can find me on uh form trends so everything that i do is at form trends also formtrends.com where if you want to see pictures of any of these vehicles that we've been discussing i'm going to be publishing those very shortly 
Um, so by the time this goes live, you'll probably have a nice article to company it with if you want to see what it is that we've talked about. Um, but also, uh, yeah, just basically find me on uh, on every single platform um, that's out there at Form Trends, and uh, also on LinkedIn, Eric Galina. So um, yeah, do get in touch. Thank you very much for joining us. And Martin, you can reach him at uh, underscore, or rather it's Concept House um, on all of the different channels. So Concept House with a K, obviously, uh, K-O-N-Z-E-P-T-H-A-U-S. So a little German spelling in there for you guys um, <laughs> along the, the various different platforms in which we're present. So, um, you know, Martin uh, and I look forward to hearing your feedback. Um, please do let us know, comment, share, do all those nice things. And yeah. uh, we'll see you on the next one. Indeed. Enjoy part two. And uh, thanks for listening. Cheers, guys.